you've been in church any amount of time, I'm sure you've heard the story of Naaman. You've heard that story as a child. I heard that story many times. Heard it preached many times. Going to read to you from 2 Kings chapter 5. Bear with me, but I want you to hear all of it. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, he was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed, and he took with him ten talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened, when the king of Israel read the letter, that he tore his clothes, and he said, Am I God to kill and to make alive, that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. And so it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious, and he went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. He mentions two rivers in Damascus that he felt would be better choices. I looked up these rivers, and and one had rocks in it very scenic, and the other was known for its clear waters. Are they not better than all of the waters in Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned, and he went away in a rage. And his servants came near, and they spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean." And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and he came and stood before him and he said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except for Israel. There are a thousand ways this could go. I've heard it 
spoken of a thousand ways, right? You have these characters in this. And when I say characters, they're not fake. It's just how I'm going to talk about the people that are in this. This is an account of something that really happened. You have Elisha, who is this prophet of God, this prophet of double portion, this prophet that throughout his life, God worked through to perform many miracles. You have Naaman, who was the second most powerful man in all of the land. He answered only to the king. If you think about it, he would be like the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff, if you will. And then you have this unnamed servant girl. Have you ever noticed something, the way that life has a way of handing lemons to people who don't like lemonade? You ever notice that? And you're just like, what do I do with this? If the enemy specializes in anything, I believe it's identity theft. Shortly after we were married, our identity was stolen. We bought $2,500 worth of furniture one weekend in Kansas City. And then my wife had a hysterectomy in Toledo. Yeah, before the birth of Liam. It was pretty amazing. I mean, that's pretty bold identity theft if you think about that. We read in this passage that Naaman was no stranger to God in the sense that God had used this man to bring about a victory in battle. According to Jewish historians, it's even believed that Naaman could have been the man who fired the arrow that killed King Ahab in battle. But he was a leper. The world has a way of defining you by your weakness. And sometimes the God plan doesn't make sense until we're on the other side of things. Can you imagine the struggle of this man at the top of his game? He had power. He had prestige. He had respect of all these people. He was a strategist. And when the leprosy began, I'm sure it didn't begin all over. I'm sure it began in a way where he tried to cover it up. But being someone who understood strategy, he understood that during that time, leprosy was incurable, it was progressive, and it was contagious. Archaeologists find mirrors from that time. So every morning, you can imagine this man who had to have a mirror in his nice bathroom would get up and stare at himself in the mirror, and he wouldn't see all the victories. He would see the fact that he had been given a death sentence. By all means, it didn't seem fair. When I was studying this today, this isn't one of those where, like, I think I'm going to be wildly entertaining. I think that it's something that's directed, honestly, at a few people, just directed right there. I think this is the kind of teaching, if you will, that I hope gets right into the heart. When the battle rages here, church, we need to understand that the outcome is a heavenly outcome. When it comes to this story, oh, God wanted to heal this man's skin. We just, I read it to you, right? Spoiler alert, he got healed. But God wanted to heal his heart. It was pride. Pride was his biggest problem, not the leprosy. There's a story that was told of Muhammad Ali during the height of his career. Muhammad Ali gets on a plane. You know, he's just a character. And Muhammad Ali took him a while to get to his seat. Finally, he gets to his seat. He doesn't want to put his seatbelt on. So the flight attendant is trying to work with him to get him to wear his seatbelt. 
He says to her, I'm Superman. I can't even, I'm not even going to try to imitate Muhammad Ali. I can't. But I'm Superman. I don't need a seatbelt. She's getting frustrated because the plane can't take off unless everyone's wearing their seatbelt. He repeats it. I'm Superman. I don't need a seatbelt. And she turns to him and she said, Superman can fly. He doesn't need an airplane. Put your seatbelt on. And I feel like with us sometimes that God needs to just square us up. You know, when I talk about Haman, or Haman, Naaman having pride, it's this, that he goes and he has his plan of how this is going to go down. First of all, he takes money with him, right? He didn't just go to the ATM. He rolled up with about $4.5 million in gold and about $480,000 in silver. He was going to buy his healing. He rolls up with a letter from a king to a king. He was going to like do some political thing to get his healing. When he's told what he's supposed to do, he's like, yeah, that sounds good, but I can think of better rivers, right? Prideful the whole way. You know why we do that sometimes? It's because we're scared. It's because we're scared to listen to God, because we can rationalize, because we can reason. We need to be reminded of things like 2 Chronicles 20.15, the battle is not yours, but God's. What is the battle this morning? What do you need to just put name to this morning? It doesn't belong to you. Quit fighting it like it's your battle. That's God's battle. Let God fight the battle. The move that's coming, it may seem insulting to those who need it the most. Right? For him to go and be told, go dip in that dirty water. If you had an infectious skin disease, the last thing you would probably think would help you would be dipping in dirty water, right? But when the God truth is spoken, there's going to be a ripple effect. Let me repeat that. When the God truth is spoken, because there are situations in your homes, in your families, in your workplaces that you need to speak some God truth into. And it may seem insignificant at the time, but there is a ripple effect once that happens. It's as if God was whispering to him, Naaman, you understand strategy, but get ready to understand faith. It's almost like God's whispering to his church this morning, you understand strategy, but get ready. It's time to experience faith. (laughs) If there's a word that I would give you this morning, it would be this. Stop behaving like a captain and start behaving like a servant. When it comes to God, when it comes to the things of God, I can get to a place, you know, where I feel like a captain. We've seen it all. We've got this whole thing down to a science, how God's supposed to move. You know, this is the box he's allowed to operate in. Truth is, we do things when it comes to God often that make us comfortable. Here's what I want. I want God to get comfortable, and I want me to remain uncomfortable. What's still true, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You know, when I was a kid, I had different main characters, because I like playing with G.I. Joe men and stuff. I still have one in my office, and I'm over 50. But I liked the soldier, right? 
I love the fact this guy rolling up and he had chariots, he had his crew. I feel like the older I get, the main character is that little maid. You know, the Bible, when it talks about her being a little maid, it wasn't just that she was young, she was diminutive in stature. She'd been carried away from her home in the northern kingdom by the Syrians. She was so far away from home. And what she thought was going to be, now her life was going to be that of a servant for someone else. Doesn't seem fair, does it? You notice twice now I've said doesn't seem fair in two people's situations. Have you thought in the past month, this isn't fair? Have you come into a situation where you feel like this isn't fair? It just doesn't, it doesn't work for me. It's not fair. The little maid, in a sense, was a drafted missionary. I think some of us here in this place may find yourself in a spot where you are being called to a mission field that you did not choose. Just for her speaking to the lady that she was a servant for, she could have been killed. Yet she spoke God truth. She was in a place where she could have even celebrated the fact that her captor had leprosy. But here's the truth. Regardless of where you are, just like her, don't forget where you came from and don't forget the power of God because even in this season, you can be a blessing to other people. Accept the God God assignment. So many vowels, I can't speak. Servant faith always knows the God answer. Here's what I love. In verse 3, Something that jumped out at me. She said. Bible doesn't say she waited around for someone to ask her. She offered it up. Again, we talked about this in church so many times. We live in a world that is telling you with your faith to keep your mouth shut. Don't speak until spoken to. But the truth is they're never going to speak to you about it. You need to speak. God's people need to speak up. When I was studying, I came across this title to a sermon. Recovering Stolen Identity and Reclaiming Misplaced Destiny. The Significance of Destiny Helpers. Destiny Helpers. If there's something that God's people are called to be, it is a destiny helper. So I look at some of the notes on this sermon, and they outline what destiny helpers were. Destiny helpers connect people to the top. They facilitate destiny. They are strategically placed to help people arrive at an expected end. They can excavate barriers. They fight on behalf of someone as if the battle was theirs. They use their own network to open up opportunities for others, similar to her referring this person with leprosy to the prophet. And the last one here, they don't wait for you to come to them. If there's a word in the spiritual that's been eating me up lately, it is proactive. We need to be proactive. Because the church has been reactive for so long that when it comes to every election season, we're trying to begin to fight against all the things that the church has fallen asleep on for the past how many decades? 
right? I mean, there was a time when Jerry Falwell would lead the religious right, and it seemed like everybody's like, I'm part of the religious right, and I'm going to vote this way. You know, and it scared people. Well, now it's like the church has kind of zipped their mouth, and the world knows it. It is time to stand for God's things. It's not time to be belligerent. It's time to speak the truth in love. And there are a wide variety of topics on which you can speak God's truth in love. I'm trying to hold it together here. I mean, you imagine with Naaman, like if you told me, like Jim Mervar, if you told me to go dip in that water, I'd be like, I don't know about that. I love you, Jim, but I don't think I'm going to dip in that water. Destiny helpers. Here's the truth. You can only speak the God truth. You can't force Naaman's head under the water. <laughs> right? Right? If you're a parent, you can't force Naaman's head under the water. This is something that I'm learning as a pastor. Right? Because I'm ready just I'm ready to dunk every Naaman in every situation and that's not very helpful. The maid, here's what's crazy, and think about this. Think about this ripple effect. Because she spoke the God truth that was in her heart, it made its way out of that chamber where she was with that lady. It made its way to Naaman, who spoke to other people, and eventually it goes into the very court of the king. It makes its way all the way up to the king of Syria. In other words, faith begins to move in ways that you never could because it's God faith, it's God's words, and they're going to go where they're going to go. And what's wild about this is the faith eventually jumps borders. You know, back then you had walls around your city. Well, faith isn't scared of how high the walls were. It jumped over those walls and it made its way to another country. So think about this. When God truth is spoken, it has the ability to come into the court of kings. What I just said before, what are we passionate about, church? What are we as God's people passionate about? Are those who are in rule over us aware of what we're passionate about? It's time to stand and speak God's truth. God's people need to speak up. I confessed something this week to someone. I'll confess it to you because I'm a blank slate. I did want to say, Tim, nice outfit. Cool guys wear black t-shirt day. As I was talking to someone this week, I said, here's a mistake that I make. I find myself thinking for other people. I don't put myself in their shoes, really. It's just I decide what's best for them. (laughs) Now I'll get real. Often... I don't bring something up because in my mind, I'm thinking, what if this is the five minutes out of the day that they're not thinking about that situation? And I don't want to be the one to bring it up and ruin their day. It's like God hit me right between the eyes this week. Lepers think about their leprosy. Someone who's lost a loved one, they're thinking about that. 
Who am I to stand in God's way because I don't want there to be an awkward moment? My Lord, I live an awkward life. What would another awkward moment be? And so church, what I I say to you is being those destiny people, those hands and feet of God, don't be scared to bring things up because you may be that diminutive one in that situation that God is looking to use. It's amazing how the voice of servants are the, the main voice in this. You even have Naaman's servants who are speaking reason to him. The Bible says that he walked away in a rage, almost this fiery rage that he walks away. But then they go to him and they say, you know, if the prophet would have told you to do something huge, you would have done that huge thing. So why wouldn't you do this simple thing? It's so wild how the heart of the humble speaks so clearly about the things of God. It's amazing. And what's wild, these were probably pagans speaking this. But isn't it wild how God truth will just hit you out of nowhere? I mean, there are times that it will hit me out of nowhere. I was laughing because last week I had said, and good Lord, because I had no time. I was sitting around and I started reading about trapeze artists. I mean, that's my life. Like when I say awkward, you're like, what do we do right now? But this is my life. I read about weird things. I brought that up at the end of the sermon. Someone contacted me later that week saying how God had placed that, that vision, that word in their heart long before. And that it was a confirmation of something that God was speaking to them. How wild is that? I don't say that like, wow, I got that right. I say that because God works through some of the weirdest people sometimes, right? (laughs) The devil is in the act of stealing identities right now as we speak. Before Naaman hit the water, he had rolled up to that house with his entourage and he said this. He said, I thought the man of God was going to come out and see me himself. I thought this is the way the healing was going to come down. Well, what's funny, after he dipped in that water, he said, I know. There's a difference. I know that there is no God except for the God of Israel. Why do I say that, church? I say that because there are going to be people we come in contact with that God is going to move in their lives maybe before they even come to salvation because he's wooing them. They're growing up in a society that's telling them that church hates them, that church is this, this, and that. You know what? Let's set church aside. When it comes to the love of God, he is going to move in the lives of people. He's going to draw them. In his timing. And I can't sit around again in my captain mindset saying they don't deserve that healing. They don't deserve that deliverance because they didn't jump through this hoop that I think they should or that. What if it's another Naaman situation where God's going to operate on the heart, but he's going to operate on the leprosy first? Good Lord, I'll amen myself on that one. I mean, I'm telling you what God is wanting to do and what God is doing. Listen to this. You may be in a place, and I'm going to close. You may find yourself feeling like you have been carried off 
you may find yourself in a place that was not your choosing right now. Who would be real? Who would say that? I feel like I'm in a place in my life where I feel like I kind of been carried off in some things. All right. Two people. All right. Rest of you, pray for us. I mean, come on. If you're in that spot, you're not alone. Right? Some of you that didn't raise your hands, you're like, well, I don't want to make a big deal about it. Well, if it's a big deal when you get down to pray and you're like this, God, God, this is driving me crazy. I feel like I've been carried away. Here's a couple of verses I want to read to you. Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. You may find yourself in a place of anger and bitterness being your go-to emotions because of the lemons that life has handed you. Let me read to you Ephesians 4.31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. You hear how that's worded? When I tell my kids to put their stuff away, I'm not waiting for an angel to come put their toys away, right? There are some things that we need to push away. Romans 2, 17 to 21 says this, if you find yourself in the place, I have been carried to a spot I don't want to be in. I don't know what to do. Two, Romans 2, 17 to 21, repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will keep heaping coals on his head. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You didn't choose the spot you're in. But God hasn't left. God hasn't abandoned you. And it's not your battle. Just like that girl who could have been justified by so many with just keeping her mouth shut. She spoke. Hebrews 12.1 tells us, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's funny because that's from Hebrews 12 in the chapter before, you know, the heroes of faith are so spoken of there. The world is watching, church. Your co-workers are watching, church. Those relatives that you're about to get together with here before long at Thanksgiving, they've been watching, church. They've been watching your Facebook, church. People think a five-year-old runs my Facebook account because if it's funny, usually I put it up there. Naaman listened to that girl because of the life that she lived. 
there are people that will listen to the words of God spoken by you if the life you live measures up to what you're saying. If not, it's just hollow. In faith, you've been called to be a destiny helper. As a church, we can often say for such a time as this, but can we live it? Are we ready to do the ripple effect? Because when I say for such a time as this, it's like this ripple effect, little one. When I live for such a time as this, it's like Uncle Joe on the 4th of July doing a cannonball into the pool. It's that kind of ripple effect. The Bible says in verse 14, Naaman's flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Childlike skin can lead to childlike faith. He declared that there was no God besides the God of Israel. The man who complained about the dirty water a couple verses later wanted to take some of that dirt home with him so when he prayed, he could pray on the same soil that he had this spiritual awakening with this God of Israel. That's how God works. That's how God turns things around. When it comes to faith, how does it feel? I want to end on this little story. A letter in a can tied to an old water pump was on a trail in the desert. It read as follows. This pump is all right as of June 1932. Under the rock, I have buried a bottle of water. I put it out of the sun. I put the cork end up. There's enough water in that bottle to prime the pump, but not if you drink some first. The well has never run dry to this point. Have faith. When you get watered up, fill up the bottle and put it back like you found it for the next feller. That could have been written in Leroy. It ends with Desert Pete. There are times in this walk where you're going to feel like you are reading this note from Desert Pete. You know, like if I pour this water on this pump, is it going to work? It's going to work. It's worked every time, right? Give me some of that old-time religion. It worked for my granddaddy. It worked for my grandmammy. It's going to work for me. Now, I don't say that out of a spirit of religion, but I'm saying I have yet to see a circumstance where God has failed, so I'm not going to be the one that he fails on, right? I know that, and he's not going to fail when it comes to our children or their children. This is how God works in faith. If you'll stand, here's how I want to pray this morning. No, I'm going to do something. Don't get nervous. I'm just going to give you a snapshot. So when I ask this question, (laughs) how many people feel like you've been carried to a place that you didn't ask to go? You know how many people raise their hands in this church? Three people. (laughs) Now I can give you a second and think about this, right? (laughs) Because some of us are in places that we may need to admit to, right? Is that you? Because I just want to pray for a minute. I'm in a place where, you know, I didn't make this decision. I didn't make the decision to get the divorce. I didn't make the decision for this to happen in my job. I didn't make this decision. I've gotten told what's going to happen. I've got, so if that, you don't have to keep them up. I'm just telling you, this is who I want to pray for right now. And as a church, I want to pray because here's what I want to pray. 
You have not been carried off. You have been hand-delivered to a place of destiny. That may sound like bold talk, but I'm telling you, you may feel diminutive in this season, but those words are about to go into the courts of kings. I know the one king we're going to take it before right now. Bow your heads, church. Let's pray. Father, right now, you have all power. Father, any human strategy pales in comparison to the God plan. And right now, what I pray, Lord, is that you would remind those who are in that season, Father, of the power of the God word spoken. And Lord, I pray that you will take things forward. No more rut, no more stasis, but God, we pray forward in the name of Jesus right now. And Father, what I ask is this, for your encouragement over people's hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would begin to spotlight the God opportunities that are in this season and let us have the courage not just to walk toward it, but to jump toward it. And Father, when the greatness comes, do not let our mouths stay shut, but let testimony be shouted in this house. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Before my wife comes up, I wanted to do something. I wanted to pray with Brendan and Olivia. Brendan and Liv started working with our refuge junior high students. It's a fun group. It is a very fun group. It is an encouragement to see how many refuge junior high students are here on a Sunday night. Church, if you have a young person, I'm going to make a statement to you. If we don't do our best as a family to prioritize them being with their church family when they're young, it's going to be more difficult when they're older to try to tell them how important it is. Is it convenient? Nope. Not even going to pretend it is. But it's worth it. It is worth it. Props to your family. We're going to pray over your family in this time of loss as a church. But what I'm going to say props to your family on is the fact that in the middle of loss that Carmen was at youth group last Sunday. And you know what's her heart? Her heart was with her church family. That blessed me more than you'll ever know. Can your family just come forward? I know we prayed with Carrie. We're going to continue praying over your family. We're just going to pray for both. Let's speak right now, blessing with Brendan and Liv, and then I just want to pray with your family. Father, right now, I pray, Lord, that you would equip for every step forward. I thank you, God 
for their hearts for these young people. And Lord, I pray that this ministry would be one that would just overflow with blessing. God, I pray that the foundations of who these young people are will be built more and more each week. And I pray as the young people come together, God, that your spirit would just be there, just hovering, God. Blessing over this home, blessing over this couple. And God, I pray that you would begin to blow their mind with the way that you are going to lead forward. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, the reason that we're going to pray, and I would ask the prayer team, prayer team, I need you. How would you want someone to pray for your family in a time of devastating loss? This is how we pray as a church this morning. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, What I pray is that your peace, God, would begin just to cover this family. Lord, your word says that you comfort all who mourn. And Father, I call upon you to do as you have always done. And God, I pray in the coming days, weeks, and months that we as a church family can be what this family needs. I thank you, God, for this bond through the blood of Christ that we have. And Lord, I thank you for the way that you are present right now. We love them dearly, God. And I know that you love them even more. May your peace reign. May your comfort flood in at the times that it is needed most. In the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen. Before I hand this to her, this is why it's important. I remember I remember seeing pictures at the wedding, Scott. The father-daughter dance. My heart was just thrilled. Just a father, father's heart, celebrating with another father's heart. When there is testament to what God is doing in Tiffany's life, we celebrate together as well. 
when good things happen, we rejoice together. When tough times come, we draw in together. This is what church family is. I say that not to build some place or to push some numbers. I say that because it is vital to be a part. It is vital to be here each week. It is vital to cry those tears of joy and to cry those tears of sadness together. Because as we said before, we are walking one another home. And it's an honor to be here with you.